0: months ago, he asked me to preach a message at some point. And when he finally told me the day, it was Mother's Day. I'm like, can come on. Really? You want me to preach on Mother's Day? I'm, I'm not going to preach a Mother's Day message. at my mom, mom. So said, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can just preach whatever's on your heart. And I'm like, okay, fine. That's what I'm going to do. And so uh, I've heard it said that every Christian has a few sermons to preach inside of. Whatever life message they might have. And this talk I'm about to give is one of those messages now. It's on hospitality. So I'm gonna ask you guys a question. It's gonna be a little bit interactive. Every once in a while ask questions, right? When you think of host- the word hospitality, what do you think of? Like serving others. Serving others. Alright, what else? Food. <laughs> 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 Anyone else? Hospitality. <laughs> Hospitals, yes. So, for many years, I have worked as a server in restaurants or whatever. And hospitality is well, it's a whole industry. There's restaurants, there's hotels. It's a service industry, and so sometimes I think of that. Um, In the context of the church, uh, I also think of um, well, people being friendly. Hey, welcome to church. Nice to meet you. You know that that kind of stuff. Um, But. I also think, uh, for me personally, when I think of the word hospitality, I kind of have a darker sense of humor, and so I I, I imagine this guy. Um, If you've ever seen the Pixar movie, Up, um, this is one of the main characters. His name is Carl, and he is uh, what you would call a grumpy old man. Now when when he was younger, he met a a wonderful person named Ellie, who was the complete opposite of him. I had a clip to go with this, but the clip wasn't working, so you just have to human me. Um, Ellie is everything that he was not. She was lively, she was vibrant, she was adventurous and spunky. And Carl, he was safe and he was reserved and kind of boring. But, you know, sometimes opposites attract, and this, the two of them ended up getting married. And they lived a wonderful life together, full of love and adventure and just goodness. But as they got older, people get old. And Ellie died. And when that happened, um, a part of Carl died. And he was no longer a friendly person. He became a recluse. He stayed inside all the time. And when people would go up to his door, he would just yell at them and tell them to go away. And so he became um, a shutter. And the reason why I share this picture of Carl and share that story is because in a lot of ways, I feel like if not for the grace of God, I would be like all. And so, this this message is part testimony, but also part message, part sermon. And so, um, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about my life, my my testimony. And so, I grew up. I grew up in a place called American Samoa. It's an island in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. The South Pacific Ocean is that red dot. So you see Australia, you see China, you see the US. Hawaii's kind of up there somewhere. And so I grew up on this island. Um, my family, we immigrated there when I was a kid. And life there was great. If you can imagine a tropical island, green, coconuts, beaches, people are really relaxed and chill. That's Samoa. And that was my life. And. It was pretty good. We had a great church that we were part of, maybe 50 to 75 people that went there. And they loved God, we loved each other, and everything was good. It felt like an extended family of aunts and uncles and cousins. And we lived there for a few years. And I don't know, maybe if you can imagine how in life it's exactly what you would imagine. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it, it wasn't going to stay that way because my dad uh, lost his job. He worked for Starkist Tuna, the the tuna canning company. And for many years, he was an accountant, and he he did a good job of saving the money. But one year, he got a new boss, and for whatever reason, his boss didn't like him. And he ended up getting laid off. And so our blissful little life there was not meant to stay. And so when you live on a small island, think small, own a town community, there aren't a lot of job opportunities there. And it's really hard for him as a father and as a husband not to have a job and not be able to take care of his family. And so my parents made the difficult decision of uh, moving to America. My dad uh, came on his own to Cleveland, Ohio. So that is Samoa in relation to Cleveland. Um, now, uh, Cleveland is not—it's um, very different from Samoa. Um, Ryan, right, awesome. you can go next slide. So you go from living on an island to the suburbs. It's kind of boring, and then there's snow. And that was my family's life. And so my dad he came to America. He actually came ahead of us. And so for three years, he worked and he saved up money and then we eventually joined him. Um, When my dad first left, my my brother had just been born a few months earlier. And so it wasn't until three years later that we were reunited with my dad. And so for a lot of immigrant families, that's just reality. Um, One of them, or both of them, both parents go off and they come to America. They try to make a better life for themselves and the kids. And so, at the age of ten years old, I came to live in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, and it was culture shock. I mean, complete culture shock. I spoke English, so I, I didn't have to do that whole language barrier. But you know, kids in America are really mean. They're mean. They're rude. They. Um, I compare it to uh, the jungle. When you think of survival of the fittest, that's kind of what I think of middle school. And so, as a 10-year-old kid, going into the sixth grade, and going through puberty, and being in a completely new place, my life was completely wrecked. Um, It was very difficult for me to adjust. I didn't know anybody. I was a new kid. I was one of very few minorities in my my town, and life was really difficult. Um, I don't think I ever justly, honestly, as a kid. And so, I lived in Ohio for a few years. I started growing up. My family got involved in a church. It was an okay church. 100, maybe 150 people. But I remember every time I would go to church, it just felt like there was something missing. When I thought of my church back home, or back, back in Samoa that I'd come from, the church here in the States and in America was just so different. You would go to church, and people would say, "How do you, but no one really knew each other. Like, and it was such a contrast to what I had experienced when I was a kid. And for whatever reason, it just never felt like home. And as I grew up, I got more and more angry. <laughs> um, I was very lonely. I didn't really connect with any people. And I remember laying in bed at night sometimes thinking, God, just raging at God. God. these are your people. Why? Where's the love? Where is something is missing? Where's the connection? Where's the sharing of lives with each other? Mm-hmm. You know, we we know each other. We see each other, but we we don't. We're not part of each other's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's something wrong with this. And so I went from being this energetic, slightly introverted kid. Um, Mischievous to becoming a teenager who was full of anger and rebelliousness and just antisocial. I was very sullen. And my loneliness turned into depression, and my depression turned into anger, and my anger turned into rage. And so that's who I became. And so I was like Carl, the younger version. At some point, God got my attention. In my anger, in my depression, in my loneliness, God grabbed a hold of my heart and I gave it to him. I gave him my life. And I after I became a Christian, I remember thinking, okay, I want to be the kind of person that I would have wanted to know when I was that kid who was lonely, who didn't. Feel like I connected right. with anybody, and so really, this this message of hospitality is something that I've and that's part of my life. It's um, in some form or another. It's something that I've tried to live out, tried to do, and tried to be ever since I became a Christian. So all that to say, it's a kind of a long intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, this morning we're going to be talking about hospitality. And we're gonna talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the meaty stuff, like what the origins of it and all that. But we're also gonna get really, really practical. And I need a drink. did get <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> and so, what exactly is hospitality? Um, and I'm gonna break it down in three things. So, one, hospitality is an attitude. It's also a commandment uh, given to us by God, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. And it is also an action. Very good. And so first off, let's go with hospitality is an attitude. Now, in the Old Testament, um, hospitality was, it's called hanaksat or him And it was the act of welcoming strangers, visitors, or guests. And the scripture that we're going to be talking about, um, just reading from us, in Genesis 18, Chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. So if you want to look that up in the Bible, or you can just look at the screen because it's there. We're going to talk about that. Now, hospitality is described many times in the Old Testament and New Testament. But this this one, in Genesis 18, is the first instance of hospitality in the Bible. And it's one of the best illustrations. And it has to do with Abraham. Uh, Here we go. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so that you can be refreshed, and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servants, very well they answered, do as they say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sands of the finest flour, and knead it, and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd, and selected a choice, a tender calf, and gave it to a servant, who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So in the Middle East, and just with ancient, um, the ancient nations at the time, hospitality was very much part of the culture. It was just one of their values. A stranger comes to your door, your tent. You welcome them in. You let them in. And when you look at Abraham in verse 1, he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Now, if you know anything about the Middle East, it gets pretty hot there. And why this is significant is his stance. He's at the entrance of his tent, the doors are open. He's welcoming people in, anybody can come in. But not only that, he's at the very front, and he's looking out who could be coming. He's waiting, he's waiting to see who he can bless, who he can welcome in to his app, into his tent. Very good. And so for him, he was being proactive about seeking out travelers. Very good. Next thing, um, he was very eager. He was eager to do this. If you look at verse, let me see, verse 2 Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Some versions say he ran to meet them. And so, if you can imagine this old man sitting at his tent in the heat of the day, he sees strangers. And he just runs to them, runs to them to welcome them in and say, hey, come come, stay with me. Come be with me. And next, I just want to highlight his generosity. Once he, they had come in, they had washed their feet, and they were getting ready. He said, come, let's, let's make a feast. He ran, he, he got his wife to prepare the finest flour and need some bread. Then he ran to his herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who prepared it. Then they brought curds and milk and the calf was prepared. And so, I don't know about you, but when I have people over, I don't necessarily make filet mignon. <laughs> I don't necessarily cook the finest cuts of meat. <laughs> but we, we save those for our special occasions. But Abraham, in his generosity and in his hospitality, He cooked a choice calf and prepared this feast for these visitors. And of course, the visitors were bad. That's that's a whole other thing. But one of the things about Abraham is he was the forefather of the children of Israel. And if you can imagine that as Abraham had kids and his kids had kids and and all that for generations and generations. Then sharing the story of Abraham welcoming these people in to the point that eventually it just becomes a part of their their culture. Very good. When they finally became a nation after um, the Egyptians uh, set them free from slavery, when it let them go, like, this was part of their identity. This was part of their DNA. And it started with this guy, this, this man, Abraham. And so the first point is, Hospitality is an attitude. It has to begin as an attitude. So now we'll go to the second point. Hospitality is a commandment. So by the time Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and taking them into the wilderness and getting the the commands from God, this idea of hospitality was part of who they they were as a people. And so the the word hospitality in, I can't have the language, anyway, um, is the the term for it, is the word. And it was a commandment. It was part of their law. It was a legal obligation. How many of you know that, okay, God commands us to do X, Y, and Z? You know, we're to love our neighbors. We're to honor or were we're to do this, but sometimes we don't have that attitude to go with that commandment. True. We do it, but our heart isn't there. Right. And so these two go hand in hand. Right. You have the attitude, but then there's also the, the commandment. Right. And it was one, um, this commandment to, to be hospitable to strangers was one of God's many commandments in the Torah, in the first uh, five books of the Bible. Right. It was up there with, okay, you you honor the Sabbath, you rest. It was up there with, hey, honor your parents. Hey, don't lie, don't steal. (laughs) And so that is something that we as people should do. Now, I want to go to Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34. And it says this, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the strangers who are sojourned with you as a native among you. You shall love them as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." And so this was included in the text of all the different laws that God was giving the people of Israel. But I want to highlight the very end where it says, "'I am the Lord your God.'" God was saying to to the people of Israel, look, be hospitable. Make the strangers, the sojourners, the wanderers, make them feel welcome because you yourself were once strangers. But also because I am the Lord your God. So all of us are strangers. God, God, extended hospitality to us. He extended his hand to us before we just. I mean, we, we don't deserve it. Great. But he did. And he was telling his people, look, just as you are on strangers, be hospitable towards others. And so that it's, it's a commandment. Great. The third part of hospitality is that it is an action. You can go next slide. So let's go to the New Testament. Um, Hospitality in Greek is philosinos, which means the love of strangers. And there are a bunch of other verses in the New Testament that talk about hospitality, but I just want to highlight two. Um, One is the story of the Good Samaritan. It's probably one of the best examples of what it means to be hospitable toward others. And so in Luke 10, 25 through 36, or 30, yeah, 25 through 36. There was a man who extended his compassion to someone he didn't even know. And I'm not going to read the whole story, I'm just going to summarize it. In the story, a man was on a journey going from Jerusalem to Jericho when suddenly he was robbed and left for dead. And as he's laying there, dying, um, three people, three other travelers passed him by. The first one was a priest. And so the priests were the people of God. They were the ones that were directly (laughs) serving God and serving as the intermediaries between the people and God. But this man, this priest, he just went on by. He ignored him. He saw him and went on the other side. The second traveler was a Levite. And Levites were also servants of God. They were the assistants to the priests. And so those two people, the priest and the Levites, if anyone should know that you should help people, that you should serve, and you should yes. help people in need, it would be these two. But they didn't. They just went across, uh, on the other side of the road and ignored this man who's And The third person is a Samaritan. And at this time in Jewish culture, culture um, the Jews hated the Samaritans. There's a lot of racism. There's a lot of hate toward them. And so this Samaritan didn't care. It, that didn't matter. Now just read a verse here, I'll verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to him and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, denarius uh, was about a day's wage. And so this Samaritan gave this innkeeper two days' worth of wages and told him he had to take care of this man." And there's a lot of lessons that can be drawn from the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, but for, for this message... Hospitality is an action. We welcome strangers. We do things. Yes, we have an attitude of hospitality. Yes, we fulfill the commandment. But we also do. We act. This Samaritan, um, it was an inconvenience for him to help the man. He was on a journey, but he stopped. And he helped this man. It also cost him something. It cost him several days' wages. It cost him time. But that didn't matter. And so th- this man was more godly than those other two because he was living out what he knew to be right. Okay. And so I'm going to read another verse from the New Testament that kind of captures how hospitality is in action. If you go to Romans uh, 12, 9 through 13, um, and I'll just read that. And the reason why I read that verse, and I highlight that verse, is that all of these different actions that talk about being a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, all of these things are constant actions. But we um, we should abhor what is evil, not just once, but continuously, yeah. always. We should outdo one another in showing honor, not, not on Sundays, not feel like it right every day Very good. we should love one another with brotherly affection constantly we should rejoice in hope constantly Very good. we should be patient in tribulation we should be constant in prayer and so when it comes to hospitality it's something that we are constantly doing we're not hospitable once but it's part of who we are Very good. and it's like the command to love people it never ends and just like with the Jews um, during the time of the Old Testament, it was part of their DNA. Us as modern day Christians, it's part of our DNA. It's something that we as people should live out, it's something that we should do. Very good. And so let's talk about how to practically apply that because I don't want to just talk about theory. <laughs> we should do things. So, first thing is ask yourself who can I show hospitality? to. You know, there, there's people in our lives that only we will ever interact with. Now, Who can we do this? Who can we be hospitable to? And we live in America and everyone is pretty much a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're a very independent society. So That's something I noticed when I moved here years and years ago, that we're very individualistic. And that sense of community or that sense of togetherness isn't really prevalent. And so it's strange. And so who can we in our individual lives be hospitable to? It could be people that we work with. It could be the poor people. It could be homeless people. It could be the elderly. It could be people who are sick in nursing homes. It could be single moms that we know. It could be latchkey kids. The sky's the limit. Because there's all sorts of people that we have opportunities to develop relationship with. I think about my job. I work as a social worker, case manager, at a mental health facility. And I interact with mentally ill people every day. And they are some of the loneliest people around. Because people don't see them as normal. People have all sorts of preconceptions about them. And they live very isolated lives. And so when I interact with them, I try to treat them as people, not as sick people, but as human beings. And I just ask them, how's your day going? I ask them about what they plan on doing. What are (laughs) are you doing this weekend? Because I want to normalize relationship. Because they're not going to get it anywhere else. So that's at my job, with my clients. I try to do the same thing with my coworkers. I try to be personal with them. I try to get to know them. Not just because they're people I work with, but because they're people. But I'm sure that you guys can think about people in your own lives that you could try and connect with and be hospitable to. Um, Second thing is smile and be friendly. I know that's really basic, but you would be surprised how how often people don't do this. (laughs) Uh, I have been to a lot of churches in the past and there were times I would go to a church and no one would uh, say hi to me. No one would even acknowledge that I was there. And it's not like these were big churches. (laughs) They're small churches, maybe less than 100 people. And it was always a strange interaction, being there, because I would not want to come back. You know. And so I think about in my own life, OK, where, when are times that I was that person that was grumpy and was like Carl? And then I think about, oh my gosh, that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, I need to remember to smile and to be friendly. And as an introvert sometimes that's really hard. I don't necessarily like being around people. <laughs> sometimes when I have to be someplace where there's more than five people, I get nervous and anxious. But for the sake of being hospitable, for the sake of being a Christian and just representing, right, I make myself be friendly. Uh, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> that a lot of times, the attitude comes later. It's like, okay, I, I'm here. here. Okay, all right, I do feel friendly. I do feel welcoming. I do feel warm. So next, um, go ahead, Ryan. Next step is learn people's names. Um, the reason why that's important is it's the first step to learning about their lives and connecting with people. Have you ever been in a situation where you were interacting with a person and you'd met them before, but you completely forgot their name? Amen. It happens a lot. And you tried as hard as possible to interact with them in a way that made the person think that you knew their name without you actually ever saying their name. And if you ever got to a point where you said their name wrong, I mean, whatever reported that you built with that person was completely just wipe. taken, wiped out. It's taken away because oh, this person doesn't even remember my name. Um, I guess I'm not that important. I mean, a person's name is the most important name to anybody. And when you learn their names, when you know their names, immediately they will like you. And we don't want them to like us because we're trying to be manipulative. But it's just part of being Christian. It's part of. You know, we, we want to know people. And I have a handy little trick where I, after I'm done interacting with someone, I go on my phone and I just write down their name, And I keep an ongoing list of people's names and little things about them, like what they do and what they look like, so that the next time I see them, because I don't have a great memory, I'll know. And every once in a while, I'll review them. That race. So that's super practical. Um, the first one, or no, first, the fourth thing that you can do is to invite people. And I don't mean just inviting people into your homes, but just inviting people in general. Like At my job, I make the point of just talking to my co and saying, hey, you want to get some coffee sometime? You want to go do this sometime? You want to have dinner? Great. Now, I invite them to my home, but I don't know, I just I invite myself, like, I, I invite them to be part of their lives. You know? It's like, hey, I want to know you. So a lot of times we, my wife, um, she will have kids over, um, kids from the church. She'll bring <laughs> kids over for a coffee, not coffee, because <laughs> kids should <get> coffee. coffee. <laughs> but um, they'll bake cookies, or they'll watch a movie, or they'll just do things together. She'll take them to the park. Because, I mean, why not? It gives parents a break, but it's also an opportunity to minister. So the first time I ever tried intentionally practicing hospitality, um, and here's the story. I, some of these things, that I, these steps that I, I talked about, um, it, com- it completely changed someone's life. Um, it was when I was a teenager, I was, I had first, I had just become a Christian um, a few months earlier, and a new family came to our church. It was a man and his two daughters, and I remember seeing them thinking, okay, I've never seen them before. For whatever reason, I felt compelled to just go out to them and introduce myself and be friendly, and I talked to the oldest, the oldest daughter, said, hey, you should come to youth group. Why not? And... Have you ever invited someone to church and it just completely blew your mind when they showed up? I mean, that's what happened. And these two teenagers came to youth group, and I remember thinking, wow, this has never happened before. Um, What should I do? And I I just made friends with them. I talked to them. I got to know them. And for the next few months, they kept coming, and I kept being intentional about spending time with them and getting to know them. And I talked to them about God. Uh, because I hate agenda, but because mm, they didn't know Jesus. And these, these two girls, they, they gave their life to God. Um, awesome. They became Christians. And it, it's a good thing they did, because later that year, um, come to find out that their mom was cheating on their dad. She was having an affair and the dad was a Christian, um, but he wasn't a very assertive man. He's kind of a, um, weak, a weak old guy. And her, his wife was cheating on him with another man, and she was thinking about leaving him and the kids. Oh. And these two girls, if they did not have faith in Jesus, they would have completely lost it. They would have rebelled against their their parents. They would have rebelled against God. And for a while they did, because that's, that's not an easy situation. But eventually they did run back to God. And eventually God was doing something in the hearts of that man and his wife. And 20 something years later, they're still together. And these girls, well, they're women now. They have kids now. <laughs> they still love Jesus. They're still following Jesus. Awesome. Oh. They've one of them went to Bible college. They've done ministry. They've who knows how many people they've led to Jesus. Oh, that's great. But I mean, all that to say, like, I to have no doubt in my mind that they would not be Christians if I hadn't talked to them. <laughs> if I hadn't just gone up to them and said hi Very good. and been friendly and ministered in that way. And so as Christians it's hospitality is part of our identity. But you know, it, we're not we don't just we're not just hospitable for the sake of being hospitable. You know, it's not so that people can like us think about how great we are. Part of why we do this is because it's important to God. You know, He welcomed the stranger. He welcomed us. And it's an opportunity to bring people into his kingdom. It's an opportunity to be intentional. And so in closing, it's just something we should do. And as a church, we're pretty good at it. (laughs) We're good at being hospitable. We're good at welcoming people in. (laughs) just keep going who knows how many people we can bring into the kingdom I think for me the biggest thing I want you guys to walk away with is that hospitality is just warmth it's it's what God has done inside of our hearts it's generating that it's letting it come out and it's loving people so that they see God and they're attracted to that, and it brings them in. Okay, that's the sermon. I had uh, some great clips, uh, Pixar clips, but it didn't work out. <laughs> Wouldn't like well. find <laughs> um, So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. All right, God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this message pray that we can live that message out in our own ways. God, you are a good God. You rescued us. You welcomed us into your family when we did not know you and when we did not deserve it. And I pray that in our own ways we can be that uh, just welcoming person in the lives of the people around us that we can welcome them to your family through our love and through our love and through our intentionality. So thank you, God. And I pray that as we go forward with this week, we can do some of those things. In Jesus' name.